This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. BetQLU. Conference Tournament Edition of the BetQLU College Basketball Podcast with myself, Eli Herskovich, and Thomas Casale. You can follow Tom on Twitter at the Tom Casale. You can follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich and our fancy schmancy graphic for the last few weeks. BetQLU tells you which side professional bettors are picking real timeline movement and historical betting results. Download the BetQL app today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. Conference, tournament, championship Saturday, kind of, even though we have some championships coming up tomorrow with the Big Ten and the SEC. How are we doing today, Tom? I'm doing good. Um, you know, hey, we're this is great. We're a week away from the big one. Uh, you know, I, I mean, ima- imagine tweeting out that there's not going to be an NCAA tournament. What's wrong? What with was that? that? Well, I mean, <laughs> ja, yeah, the. I, you know, those those TV stations like to lose out on $10 billion two years in a row, I'm sure. But uh, listen, they're having it. What all, all those COVID tests mean is that Syracuse is now safely in the tournament. So we can bet against the 2-3 zone. Here we come, baby. We're ready. You're ready to bet against your your best friend, Jim Bayheim, I believe. So well, they're playing pretty on good, Syracuse. though. I, I will say that. They're they're playing much better later in the year. Yeah. Buddy Bayheim, man, is playing – but on a real level, I, I know you like that game winner by Virginia, two three zone guys open by seven feet. I mean, uh, you know, why why change it up at the end? Who cares? You know. Hey, I had Syracuse plus five and a half. I didn't want to go to overtime, <laughs> so you're damn right. I did. Enjoy I just that. you could have seen my face when that shooter was was so wide open and he let the ball go. I just I put my my face into my hand. Uh, that damn zone. You knew it was cash. All right, <laughs> so we might touch on some cues, but more importantly. We're going to get to all of our college basketball bets on today's show. We're going to get to your questions about hedging your conference tournament title futures. I, for one, I'll say it off the bat. I, my one tournament future left is Texas at plus 800, a full unit there on the Longhorns. I'm not hedging. And I also have a bet on Texas. So we'll talk about all of our single game conference tournament bets as the show goes along. But Tom, big news from reported by first from our buddy who came on our preseason college basketball podcast, actually. Jeff Goodman are reporting that Isaiah Livers, Michigan star forward, is out with a foot injury, out indefinitely. And he also added that Livers suffered a stretch, stress fracture injury in his right foot and he'll wear a protective boot while immediately beginning his rehab. So initial thoughts there on Livers, not only short-term, we'll get to the Ohio State-Michigan matchup, but long-term for Michigan going into the tournament. Yeah, it's not good. And, you know, here's the thing. I was... I was looking at some of like the bracketology things just to see where like like uh, my, my Abilene Christian was who, who they're going to play and stuff like that. So, but one of the things I thought was interesting is a lot of people have like North Carolina in Michigan's region in the eight, nine game. So think like, I know we think these teams are really good and they are, but would anybody be surprised if North Carolina with their height, you know, beat Michigan? So my point is, is that this, 
these teams starting in the second round are going to be playing tough matchups. And to lose a guy like this is really hurtful for Michigan. I mean, who cares? Who cares? They don't care if they win today, right? They got a one seed. But you're looking at that second game in the NCAA tournament. If you don't have if you don't have that that star forward and you're missing him against a team like North Carolina with that height, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, another injury to watch for in the in the Ohio State Michigan game is Kyle Young could be out with a concussion, which is big because I get to starting off with that game. I want to get back to Livers in a second and and launch him to your NCAA tournament point. But Hunter Dickinson, like if Young doesn't play, it's not like Ohio State has much size to go up against Dickinson. No, we anyways. saw that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Um, but if he stays out of foul trouble like he couldn't do in the first half against Maryland, right with the Purdue game with Travion Williams down the stretch, why did Matt Painter? Bench Travion Williams in overtime. Almighty, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I, and you know, I, I like this Purdue team. I really do. I, I think they're going to be some trouble in the NCAA tournament. I thought they should have won that game yesterday. Yep. Uh, what? what I, I, isn't the kid like nineteen years old, twenty years old? Uh, he needs. He needs that much rest. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. Uh, maybe he was gassed. Maybe he told Painter he was gassed. Yeah, but maybe. Anyway. But the. I mean, I, I don't know, man. Overtime against Ohio State. I, I obviously had Purdue in that game, so you can see how excited I was not to see him on the floor. But, <laughs> but hey, listen, I do think Purdue, listen, with that size down low, depending on where they get seated, again, another one of those teams that could uh, could cause some problems for higher-seeded teams. Next year, to me, is the year for Purdue. I yeah. will, as, yep. If they get everybody no back, about it. we're going to yep. do a, uh, I guess, a little tease for everybody that's listening to the podcast. We're going to do a, a BeckQL next season futures piece right after the game national title game wraps up and i will probably have a purdue future i might even bet it right after the game's over if you could tell me and he's not but if you could tell me that sharif cooper was coming back i would run to bet purdue and auburn next year you know those are the two teams i think that were are a year away now cooper's probably not coming back for auburn but i think purdue's going to be very dangerous in the big 10 i'm going to throw something else out there everyone's going to expect Michigan State to bounce back and be a dominant team. I don't know. I, I don't know if that program starting that Syracuse-like decline a little bit with an older coach who used to be dominant. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm not sold on Michigan State dominating the, the Big Ten again next year. Listen, it's they need a point guard. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's on Tom Izzo from a recruiting standpoint. Yep. Hogard is, might develop. Maybe Hogard develops into a solid point guard. Over his next three seasons, Foster Lawyer though was not it. You can see no. that two years ago <laughs> when he was playing under Cassius Winston when uh, Michigan State lost to Texas Tech in the, in the uh, Final Four. Back to Isaiah Livers though, want to get some some metrics on Livers here in terms of how much uh, of an importance or how big of a, a factor he is for Michigan. Seventy fourth in college basketball in offensive rating, and also just inside the top three fifteen across all individual Division One players in minutes percentage, which might not seem like a lot, but then you factor it into where he ranks in terms of the Big Ten. Uh, Livers is, you know what? Kempom decided to take away the, oh, here we go for Big Ten. He is seventh in minutes percentage uh, in, in terms of Livers and and uh, the amount of minutes he plays per game for Michigan State. Seventh in offensive rating in the Big Ten. 13th in effective field goal percentage in conference play. 11th in true shooting percentage. 10th in turnover rate, so that's lowest turnover percentage. And uh, third in free throw percentage. That's a yeah. tough loss for Michigan. Yeah, loss. If, if they like, let's look at some of these eight seeds. 
and I know people want to get to the game. They want to hear about Ohio State, but I just think it's it's really intriguing because this might be – you said Michigan doesn't have a lot to play for today. If Michigan loses and Ohio State gets to the Big Ten title game and Illinois, let's say they win it, Illinois is going to get the third the uh, third number one seed and Michigan's going to slide down to four. Yeah, no, I yeah, I just – I think Michigan is locked into number one is what I'm saying. Like if, if Michigan had like an injury – and the guy was coming back in the NCAA tournament, I'm saying I don't think it would be a big deal if they lose today without – this is going to be more of a longer-term problem for them. I think. I, I'll be honest. I still think they're going to beat Ohio State. I don't think – I don't think. I thought Ohio State maybe played their best game of the season against Michigan. I mean, they played really well in that first matchup, and they still gave up 92 points and lost by five. So I still lean to Michigan here. But I think if you get Illinois tomorrow, then you're going to see that's where the issues are going to come in. Defensively, man, Ohio State is awful. Oh my God, they're bad. Four yeah. out of five. They're la- they've lost their last four out of five games. They- I mean, yesterday, like you should see me out in the ba- out in the driveway with my five year old son. I dominate him. That's that. That's what Williams looked like yesterday against Ohio State. Like posting up and you know and, and pumping his fist after he dominates a five year old like I do in the driveway. I mean, <laughs> the hey, that five year old helped helped you uh, put together that banner behind you. So let's watch it. Yeah, the but no, that's but that's the kind of dominance that that we saw yesterday with that Purdue front court, and I think you're going to see the same thing today. Yeah, Dickinson, if he doesn't get in foul trouble, we hit this off at the top. Should have a monster game. Shows to Davis off the bench. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan's bigs dominate like they did against Ohio State, like you mentioned in Columbus when Kyle Young was healthy for that game, and now he's questionable. Maybe on limited minutes if he does play with the concussion, or at least he's in. At least that's the worry is that he has the concussion. And, it's but, not and one of the good news is is Eli Brooks, who we weren't sure looked good yesterday. Yeah, if he was going to play, I mean, if they didn't have him, I mean, that would have been a disaster. But at least he looks pretty good. So for, for the first time on the Back QLU Saturday edition, we're going to go out of chronological order, and we're going to stay stay in the Big Ten and <laughs> Illinois, Iowa. So just to just to reiterate, um, I lean Michigan even at me too. Okay, so even at the current price, which is let me just pull it up on Canby because money is coming in on Iowa State, man. It was six and a half earlier this morning. It was down to six. Let's see if it's still at six, five and a half. So. We got about a point in line movement over the last hour and change. Do you think that's too drastic um, in terms of the, the the presence of Isaiah Livers? Or I would say it's about right. Worth the yeah, I, I think the line should be about five, six. So it, it makes sense to me. All right. Moving on to Illinois and Iowa. This line sitting at four, four and a half, depending on where you're shopping. Uh, Illinois is the favorite. Iowa coming off of a big win against Wisconsin, where they came back in the second half with their defense, which is playing really well. I know Wisconsin's offense could be inept at times, but man, I was man to man, like Fran didn't go zone and he probably shouldn't have because if Wisconsin gets open looks, they didn't make a ton yesterday, but still a pretty good shooting team overall. So I, I keep, I continue to be impressed with the Iowa's man to man defense and Illinois smoked my Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I hope that's more of an Illinois thing than it is Rutgers. You know, I might still bet Rutgers to win a game in the tournament. We'll see. But, but Hey, good point though. You know what? I know we like to joke about that. That's one of the key betting points for the tournament. You can't remember that Rutgers got blown out by Illinois because they're not going to play them in the tournament. It's all about who they play in that first game, right? Do they match up? So I think that's, to me, one of just being a long time better. That's the mistake I used to make is I would be like, boy, this Rutgers team stinks. I'm going to bet against them. But how do they match up with their first round opponent? So I think that's something that, you know, that's why the books make so much money during the NCAA tournament. 
Hundred percent. So you have a bet on this game, uh, Iowa and Illinois. I'll give my breakdown after you. But what's your play for the other Big Ten tournament semifinal match? I like Illinois here. I agree with you that Iowa is playing better, um, and I think that bodes well for them long term. I just think that they, I actually got this at three. I'd play it up to four. After that, it, it's getting a little out of my price range. But I, I think this is going to be a competitive game. But to me, you know, we, we see a lot in the Big Twelve, and we almost saw it yesterday too, where where teams give Baylor. Uh, some problems, then Baylor has that run and they kind of pull away. Kudos to uh, Oklahoma State for not letting that happen yesterday. But that's what I kind of look at this game. I think it's going to be competitive, but Illinois is just hitting on all cylinders right now. And you're giving me three, four points here. I do agree that Iowa's defense is playing better. Got to see it, though, against your Illinois and Michigan's, though, because I think everyone knows what my feelings are on Wisconsin. Uh, I think they're hot garbage. So today, with a lower number, I'm going to take the Illini minus three or four. If we go back to Illinois, the latter part of their uh, Big tw- uh, Big Ten schedule, when they beat Iowa, they, that's when they kind of got hot. They beat Penn mm-hmm. State at home. And they beat Iowa by five. Now, I will say in that five-point win, they covered the two, two-and-a-half. C.J. Frederick for Iowa did not play. And now he is, you know, like I would assume, 95 to 100% healthy at this point. So after that game, after the Iowa game, or I guess including that, they won their next. Let's see if I can do some quick math. Seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. They've won their last, I think it's 13 of the last 14 games, which is a testament to Brad Underwood. It's a testament to the kind of pace that they play at. But Iowa wants to play, Iowa wants to play at the same pace. And I'm I'm not betting on this game because I'm intrigued to see the last time that these two teams played, Iowa was still running that matchup zone. Fran has basically erased it from his defensive. Uh, scheme. And I was pretty much predominantly running that man-to-man defense. I think they match up pretty well with Illinois in a man-to-man setup. If Illinois is making shots from the outside and Iowa's getting to the rim, Illinois probably wins this game by two possessions. But I do think there's a little bit of value with Iowa at four and a half if you can get the hook. Yeah, I see, I, I think the man-to-man is going to be a problem today. I, I think Illinois has too many athletes for them. I think they're going to beat them off the ball. Uh, so, I mean, to me, the Illini are playing as good as anyone in the country. Uh, you know, yeah. that's a team I know we liked early in the season. And again, listen, not everybody's going to be the Zags, right, and go unbeaten during the season. Uh, teams are going to have a ha- have a couple of spots here where they where they lose a couple games. But you're looking for those teams at the end of the year that have really rounded into form. And for me, Illinois is one of those teams. And again, like I said, I think it'll be a competitive game. But I'll take three, four points uh, with the Illini. Okay, so. Tom has a bet, or no bet on Michigan, Ohio State, but you do have a bet on Illinois laying the three and a half. Yes. Okay. I do not have a bet on either of those games. So moving along from the Big Ten, let's see. What do we want to hit next time? Which conference? Do we want to go SEC semifinals or do we want to go um, Big 12 to start? Let's go Big 12. All right. So in the Big 12 tournament title game, Texas beats Texas Tech. Kansas then bows out of the Big 12 tournament semifinal because of COVID issues. Oklahoma State beats Baylor. I want to get your perspective on that game because we have a little time here. We don't have as many games to break down. As impressed as I was with Oklahoma State yesterday, I thought it was also a product of Baylor just checking out in a game that just did not matter to them. Cade Cunningham played phenomenal uh, phenomenal down the stretch. I'm not taking anything away from Oak State. I was on Oak State yesterday getting the plus eight and a half. But Baylor looked a little disinterested, especially in the first half. And then they came back, and then Oklahoma State took over with Cade. So, again, it's a credit to Cade. By no means am I saying 
Oklahoma State didn't deserve to win that game as eight and a half point dogs. But as much as I say that, Baylor didn't look as interested in the game. Yeah, I mean, I understand. But at, at some point, Baylor's got to start playing better. You know, the, the, the COVID stuff can only last for so long. Uh, since that's happened, they haven't been the same dominant team. I still think in the tournament. It, they're gonna they're gonna kill teams uh, to be honest, but I, I do give Oklahoma State a lot of credit, and it's not just uh, Cade; it's the people around them are playing so much better. The you know the, the, that the offense that they're running. I mean, they got more guys wide open running to the basket than any team I've ever seen. I mean, they're they're they're, they're giving they're dishing the ball. Guys are I mean, uh, phenomenal head coach by the way, uh, and boy, and just a great head coach. The yeah. so. You know, I was really impressed. This team's playing well. I think. That, listen, it's the it's the Big Twelve, so we know the game's going to be tied with two minutes to go. I, I mean, there hasn't been a Big Twelve. I think ninety three percent of the Big Twelve games this year have been tied with uh, two minutes to go. But courtesy of Thomas Casali metric. <laughs> and, and by the, we both have uh, futures on Texas at eight to one. So I, I do think Texas is they hit their peak. I thought that I was impressed with the way they won that game against Texas Tech, because the one thing about Texas is, you know, during that game, you saw the guys on the sideline, they were complaining, you know, you saw the Greg other Brown players. went to the locker room because he was yeah, the the throwing stuff, and I was just thinking, man, this team's mentally weak. I can't believe I, I, I bet them to win the NCAA tournament. But then they came back. So I thought that showed me something, and it's going to be a heck of a game. I do think Texas is going to win, though. The biggest play, and then I want to quickly touch on the, the quarterfinal game with Texas and Texas Tech. The biggest play was in the final two minutes when Kai Jones, because he had it looked like he was going to have room to dunk it, but then Santos Silva came over weak side and he was ready to swat it. And mm-hmm. then Jones like adjusted it in midair and floated it off the glass. That team is very intriguing if they don't turn the ball over. And every team is a weakness pretty much. I mean, you might say Gonzaga and Baylor don't, but I think they do. Gonzaga doesn't really have a, a length defensively. Yeah. And Baylor doesn't have length in terms of a, a true back to the basket big. But Texas, if they don't turn the ball over, which Oklahoma State doesn't turn you over, Texas has a size advantage in this game with, I mentioned Kai Jones. Greg Brown, I would expect a bounce back game for Greg Brown. He does have his turnover issues when, whenever he handles the ball with his left hand, which is his predominant uh, dribble handle. And then when he tries to go right, it is a disaster. He wants to go left. But I would still expect a bounce back from Brown after the temper tantrum that he threw during that Texas Tech game. And Jericho Sims, I don't know how much he's worth to the point spread. Maybe we talked to a bookmaker about that. I doubt they even know what they would equate Jericho Sims to the point spread. That guy might be the most underrated player in college basketball. He's he's one of my favorite players in the country. Defensively, a rim protector. Offensively, around the basket, is a great passing big two from from the high post. He means so much to Texas. I think he dominates Oklahoma State in the front court. If you go back to the uh, to the game, the last time these two teams played, they split the regular season series. Texas shot five of 35 from three. And that was during their three-game losing streak. They were playing really poorly offensively. They were coming off of, uh, uh, I think, like a two, three-week COVID layoff where they barely practiced. If if Texas's guards get to the rim with Coleman, Ramey also you would expect to have a bounce-back game after the Texas Tech game. Texas should win this game by a possession. And I'm not hedging my future. I have a bet on Texas to to cover at minus one and a half. So I am all in on the Longhorns tonight. Yeah, I I might put a couple hundred on Oklahoma State. I haven't decided yet because I do have Georgia Tech going as well. 
So I want to lock in some money. The But if you did watch that Texas Tech game, there's two things I'll point out. One, I think Texas Tech um, led in loose balls 75 to nothing. I've never seen a game where the balls were bouncing around so much and one team kept coming up with them. So that's a little bit of luck. The other thing, too, is I've never seen an official who liked to call charges as oh much as in that game. I mean, he must practice that at home. He was so excited about it. And so, I mean, was he Chris Beard's cousin? Every time Texas went into the lane, they got a charge. So I thought Texas kind of dominated that game. There's a, those those weird things kind of went against them. So there was an awful travel call to oh begin, or there, there was no bad calls in that yeah. game. And uh, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if Texas won this game rather easily tonight. It's just Oklahoma State is playing so well. Uh, I, I do lean with your Texas pick, though. I think they're peaking at the perfect time. Little bit of recency bias, not in terms of the market, because this line, if you look at where the current spread is at, it's at it's at three. So the the market is is on Texas clearly. But for people that want to say, okay, maybe the buyback point is three on Oak State to keep the game within a possession. To Tom's point, every Big Twelve game ends in a one possession game. So if Oklahoma State loses by three, at least you push. If you want to go with Oak State, but I think the market is a hundred percent right on this game. If you want to back Oak State, I think it's purely off recency bias for a team in Baylor that I think checked out a little bit. Oklahoma State still played well, but the Bears the should be the second highest number one overall seed come tomorrow selection Sunday. Checked out. Texas, if they win this game, should get a three seed. This game means a lot for their seeding purposes in March Madness. I'm very high on Texas, and I think they win this game by a possession or more. So I would still actually, you know, at this point, since it's up to three, I would just wait because I don't think this line gets up to three and a half. So if you want a piece of Texas, wait till closer to tip off. Yeah. And I do think some people are going to be betting Oklahoma state today. Yep. Especially at that number. So we go from the big 12 to the sec. We'll head on the PAC 12 tournament title game later. Uh, But with the first game, uh, Tennessee versus Alabama, this line, I believe was at five and or four and a half. It's down to four. So Bama, a four-point favorite, total of 140, and Tennessee is plus 150 on the money line. John Fulkerson just ruled out for the rest of the SEC tournament. Uh, Paul Kitchen chiming in, when do we stop doubting Oak State? I don't think anybody's doubting Oak State on this podcast, so we'll move on. Um, yeah, I said the game was going to be tied with two minutes to go. So. Right. I bet them yesterday. <laughs> We're not fading Oak State on the show. Um Back to back to Fulkerson. He's out for the the rest of the SEC tournament with facial injuries. Did you see that play? Yeah. What the fuck? I, I have I'll no go right to the yeah. face. I, <laughs> that was awful. Just awful. Just a, a terrible thing to happen. I don't usually have that much sympathy for college basketball players, but <laughs> my God, did that guy get fucking? I mean, I'm sure he has like a broken like cheekbone or something after that, man. Um, but we don't know the status of Josh Primo either for Alabama, their freshman two guard. He had the knee injury yesterday. So I'm I'm still checking Twitter. I don't see anything. I do like Bama laying the points, especially without Fulkerson. Bama has a size advantage in this game. And if they make Tennessee, Tennessee play in the half court, which the Vols didn't have to do yesterday because Florida's offense was inefficient in transition and in the half court, Tennessee in that Alabama game, going back to the beginning of the conference play, really struggle in the half court. I would expect the same against a very good Alabama defense. Yeah, and uh, Tennessee has struggled with these athletic, faster teams. You know, we've mentioned that quite a bit on the show. Alabama, LSU, you know, even Georgia's giving them trouble. So uh, 
I think Alabama wins this game pretty comfortably. I haven't bet it yet. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with uh, Alabama's burned me a couple times here in the last month. but It is over a possession. It is. And, you know, I did have a hunch that that little break before the tournament was going to reignite them. And I think we saw that yesterday. <laughs> they had very little trouble with Mississippi State. So I'm not going to be surprised at all if Alabama wins this game pretty easily. Yeah, man, still nothing on Primo. So there is no like true matchup advantage from a scoring standpoint, but the size advantage is pretty big. And if Bama can rebound a little better on the defensive glass and no Fulkerson to create second chance opportunities for Tennessee, that factor is is huge for the balls in this game. He came up big, and Tennessee already had the game in hand yesterday against uh, Florida. So him being out for the latter part of the second half didn't really matter. Just looking at his splits this year in terms of what he means to the balls in conference play for Fulkerson, 18th in effective field goal percentage, 14th in defensive rebounding rate. Uh, this is in terms of individual players in the SEC, 24th in block rate, and 10th in free throw rate. So he gets to the, gets to the line a lot too. Yeah, and again, I mean, Alabama beat Tennessee earlier this season. Tennessee had issues with LSU. They you had, had him on the money line in that game. Yeah, yep, that's the game. I That, that was before Alabama was Alabama. That was a, quite a big money line hit for me. Um, Auburn just beat them 77-72. Kentucky blew them out at home. Um, yeah, the, to me, Tennessee is still one of the most overvalued teams in the country. I, I like Alabama here. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look too much into – that this is at four, two possessions. Tennessee can keep it close after what we saw. Fulkerson makes a huge difference for the Vols, and so does Primo if he doesn't play, but Alabama has pretty good depth in the backcourt, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. Primo, good defender, but still think there's a little bit of value in Bama. Maybe Tom and I will both pull the trigger on that before we, we wrap up today's back QLU. Over to the other SEC semifinal. I feel like you'll have some good takes on this game. LSU against Arkansas. You're high on Arkansas. You also kind of like LSU, this line out to four and a half. The Hogs laying four and a half, total of 162 and a half, and Tigers are plus 155 on the money line. Yeah, this is going to be a good game. Uh, you know, I have Arkansas to win it all. Um, LSU was a team I liked going going into the season. You know, LSU beat them earlier this year. They put 92 on them, and then they played again, and the game was pretty close, but Arkansas kind of pulled away towards the end. They won 83-75. So it's been two competitive games, and I expect the same today. Uh, listen, these two teams are going to play fast. We know that they're going to get up, at, and to me, that's that's the games LSU likes to play. The you know they don't have to set up a half court offense, they don't have to defend in the half court as much. So I lean LSU plus the points here. Again, that's another game I might end up pulling the trigger on. Yeah, I do believe this is going to be a very close game, and. I did think whoever won that LSU Ole Miss game had a chance to win the SEC tournament, and I still believe that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think LSU could win this thing, even though their defense is still it's kind terrible. of suspect. Yeah, I mean, in the SEC, well, if you play a Bama, if we get Alabama-LSU again, LSU might be, keep it competitive for a half, but I would expect Alabama to loot them in the second half. Um, to your point about Arkansas, maybe be a little, little overvalued in this spot. Arkansas barely covered yesterday. Like they were they were leading by six for I think the final ten seconds just uh, in terms of their biggest lead of the just, game. And I don't understand what these kids are doing, man. It, it, this closed around five, three seconds left. You're down by five, and you follow someone at half court. Like, listen, these coaches are teaching these kids to be losers. That's a loser mentality. Go home. Go home. Stop this nonsense with the fouling with two seconds left. You lost. Get the hell out of there. I, I didn't even have the game, and it bothered me. 
The, what's you know what's I mean? Little League Tom, the coach, like? Because I feel like you would get very animated. That's what it seems like you're about to do, or at, at least what you're. Uh, but the way you're uh, the way you're positioning your point about what happened yesterday. No, well, I, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit easier on the younger kids. But that, I, I'm sure. just saying though, like you know that that's taught and pra- I'm on the coaches here. Like you know they're this is they're doing this stuff in practice. Like at some point the game is over. There's three seconds left. You're down by five. Go home. I, I feel bad for anybody who had that at five and lost by well, six. Five and a half. Yeah, five and a half. So to your point, the uh, I mean that was close right down to the end. Um, Missouri actually had a possession there and they had a three that went in and out that, and that's where the game kind of turned, but that's, this is going to, you know, I, I don't know. I might take LSU. I, I might be talking myself into it. So the, this show costs me a lot of money. I keep talking myself into things that don't <laughs> that end up losing. I, I think the line is a little inflated at this point too, at four and a half. Maybe we'll bet on both LSU teams, by the way, yeah. or both SEC teams. Let's see if it gets of- up to five. Yeah. Yeah. And juice, by the way, looking in terms of where, it can be uh, about four extra cents of juice, minus 114 on LSU plus four and a half. So I would assume it doesn't. But then again, with the way the market is is evaluating Arkansas right now, very well could. Um, so we hit on the two SEC tournament semifinal games, hit on the Big Ten semis, hit on the Big 12 title game. What do we want to do next? Pac-12? What do you think, Tom? I don't care about the Pac-12. Let's go to that Houston game. You want to go to the American Athletic? Let's take hit the title game. What? Let's do the title game for the Pac-12 first. Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> that is the most you've comment. Um, Colorado, Oregon State. Really quick. I don't have a play on this game. I think Oregon State could win this game outright. So I guess if you want to sprinkle, maybe I am a little more inclined on the game to bet the game than I thought. But it sucks our Oregon future didn't come through in the Pac-12 tournament. You look at this from a matchup standpoint, Oregon State has a size advantage in this game. They should be able to just uh, should be able to score against a uh, front court and an interior defense for the Buffs that does struggle, uh, giving up the fourth highest two-point scoring rate in conference play. So I lean Oregon State in the points with Ethan Thompson. If he can get into the lane, he's very explosive. What say you? Yeah, I mean, Oregon State's been a moneymaker all season in the Pac-12. They're 6-2 and two their last eight games. Losses were to Oregon and to Colorado by four at home. So I think the line's a little high here. I, I expect a close game. I think there's some value still with Oregon State uh, with that many points. I think the market loves Colorado a lot more than I do. Yeah. Didn't like him yesterday. USC closed as a favorite against them in the Pac-12 title game. But that was a big-time effort from McKinley, right? And they hit some big shots down the stretch, even though – I mean, that dunk um, to end it um, yeah. by Deshaun Schwartz was insane. Uh, considering I thought that game was going to go to overtime and, and USC was going to gonna take over like they were in the latter half of the second half. Yeah, no, that was a great game. Um, and I mean, the the to me, this line, uh, what did it open at? Do you, do you know, I, I didn't see the opener last it was night. About, it's about where, it was at, where it's at currently right now. It opened at around uh, eight. Yeah, that is, I don't know, eight points in a neutral court. The... Uh, Listen, like I said, Oregon State's been a good underdog all game. That's too many points here. Uh, I, the, I watched that game the last time they played. It ended in a four-point game. I mean, that was competitive right down to the end. I expect something similar here. I mean, Oregon State's shooting the lights out right now. So the, I, when you get into one of those conference tournaments and a team's hot like that, it usually doesn't stop until the tournament's over. So I, I expect another uh, another good offensive game by Oregon State to cover this number. Yeah, three possessions is a lot, even though Colorado's offense is pretty explosive. If you go back to the last time 
these two teams played like a few weeks ago. And mm-hmm. Oregon State covered that game. They were around, I think, six and a half point favorite yeah. or six and a half point dogs. Colorado won the game outright by four. Uh, they were up by 10 in the, you know, in the latter part of the second half. So maybe the, the final score doesn't really indicate uh, Colorado kind of dominating in the, in the final few minutes, final four minutes of that game. But I agree with you. Three possessions is enough for me to at least consider it a lean to Oregon State and not go Colorado. A little overvalued in the market, the buffs are right now. Um, Big East tournament title game. Because I see, even though this, even though the line is up from eight to eight and a half, I've seen a lot of people say, Georgetown, bet the Hoyas. Uh, they played so well in the Big East tournament. They have. This is also their fourth game in four days. And you're going up against a Creighton defense, believe it or not, Tom. Top 40 in adjusted defensive efficiency. When was When's the last time you could say that about a Creighton team? being that good defensively. They went toe-to-toe with UConn yesterday defensively, and I thought their their offense being a little inconsistent was a product of just UConn being a really good defensive team. Yeah, no, two things. One, I'm glad UConn lost because I really like that team. I love the makeup of them. I, I think that, I, that that's a team I'm looking for in the NCAA tournament. Okay. But this, turn, this conference tournament has gone about the way I thought when we discussed it. We thought it was going to be crazy. And we, it is, we have a, we have an eight seed in the final, but I also thought Creighton was going to win it uh, with a, with an injury to Villanova. I thought it was going to come down to that UConn Creighton game, uh, which went down to the wire. And now I think, like you said, their, their defense is playing as well as I've seen it in a long time. So I think Georgetown gives them a run here for a while, but they run out of gas. I'm not going to lay the points, but I also right. wouldn't take Georgetown as a dog here. Yeah. I think this is, I hate the word trap line, but it's going to be a trap line for people that are public betters and saying, okay, Georgetown is 3-0 in the Big East tournament, straight up there, obviously in the Big, Big East title game as a result. They beat Seton Hall yesterday. My God, I, I had a Seton Hall tournament title future at 13-1. to It was there for the taking. They just, Mambo Kalishvili is posting up from the three-point line. Yeah. Kevin Willard can... Yes. Yeah, see, I mean, we've been talking about it all year. There's just not something right with that Seton Hall team. We kept waiting them to get for them to get better. Um, I thought they were going to win yesterday, uh, but you know, credit to Georgetown. It, Georgetown been playing well over the last month. Uh, even the some of the games they lost, they've been in those games for. Uh, but I do think, like you said, four games in four days, I think they run out of gas here. Uh, they're not as deep as Creighton. Uh, the size that Creighton has down low, the defensive ball pressure, I think that's all going to wear on them in the second half. Let's pull up, by the way, let's pull up. You could download the BetQL app in the Apple App Store or Google Play. BetQL helps you beat the sports books and get smarter while you're at it. I'm trying to see if BetQL has their college basketball leans up. I don't think there's anything new up there, Tom. But we'll hit we'll have that maybe before the show wraps up in terms of their college basketball four and five star plays. Okay, so recapping our bets for today. You like Illinois. I'm on Texas. You're not hedging your Texas tournament, uh, Big Twelve tournament future bet, right? I will see. Not yet. The, I mean, the you never know what I'm going to do. You know, I the, <laughs> the the and again, if I do, it would be because I have Georgia Tech too going. So I have two going today. I I, I haven't really decided what I'm going to do. The Georgia Tech's obviously the bigger payout. So. Well, we'll see. But listen, I don't hedge much. So if I do hedge, it's not going to be a lot. I love how you wanted to go from, what do we do? The SEC semifinals to the 
AAC when we didn't even hit on the 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 ACC yet. We didn't have the ACC title game with your with your conference tournament future Georgia Tech. They're playing Florida State today. Hey, Memphis, you you got to give the people what they want. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We'll, we'll get to it. We promise. Freddie Mills, seven checks in. Great work, Eli and Tom. Love the breakdowns. Keep up the great work. Good luck today. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. Don't have to shit on you right back. So we also <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, Florida State is a four and a half point favorite. Total of 145 and a half. And the Yellow Jackets are plus 160 on the money line. Two-parter here for you, Tom. Georgia Tech against the spread, question mark. And what are you doing with that conference tournament future at 10 to 1? Yeah, that's a, I kind of like the way Georgia Tech matches up with Florida State. You know, like you you had this the first time they played. Georgia Tech creates a lot of turnovers. Florida State can get sloppy with the ball. You know, I see this being a really close game. Uh, I lean Georgia Tech here. I, I think they're going to win. Uh, Florida North Carolina is a weird team to me. You know, the I know they're playing better. Uh, that was a really good game yesterday. But I, I think Georgia Tech's the better team of the two, and I think they're going to give Florida State a lot more problems today. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I lean towards Georgia Tech against the spread. I'm not going to bet it. I've seen some people on Twitter saying, is this line kind of short? If Florida State plays at, at their sort of a pace and they don't turn the ball over, sure, if they control the tempo and they're speeding Georgia Tech up and they're hitting threes like they were for a chunk of the ACC conference schedule, even though I think that three-point percentage is still going to see a dip like we saw yesterday against UNC. But if Florida State plays more in the half court, they're going to turn the ball over. One of the worst turnover teams in terms of offensive turnover turnover percentage in conference play. Georgia Tech turns you over at the highest rate with Alvarado. Moses Wright is excellent in transition. DeVoe, too, can get his hands in there and, and create turnovers. I think Georgia Tech within two possessions is a pretty solid bet. Not going to be a play for me, but I definitely lean towards the Yellow Jackets. Yeah, and I will say this long term, I got a feeling Florida State's going to burn some people in the next week or yep. two. And here's why. The ACC is really bad. Like, it's not down. It's really, really bad. These teams are average to bad, and you're going to see that come tournament time. If Virginia gets in, if, if they if they get, you know, oh, they get in, they're, they're, they're not going to stay long. So I think people are overvaluing Florida State to make a tournament run, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get knocked out before the Sweet 16. Let's also remember, too, and I'm not, I'm not taking away the, the title that Tony Bennett won with Virginia a couple of years ago, but before that, he had his struggles in the tournament. Yep. And it was a little cliche, especially going into that dance. And, I mean, they got lucky in, you know, four straight games against Oregon, Tennessee, or Purdue, I should say, in the Elite Eight, um, in the Final Four, Auburn, and then in the title game, Texas Tech. They got some big breaks in all four of those games. Leonard Hamilton is also not the smartest in-game coach. So at the top of your conference that, like you said, Tom is down, you have two pretty mediocre coaches when it comes to crunch time mm -hmm. in, a, in a single elimination tournament. Just putting that out there. I'm with yeah. you, though. I like Georgia Tech. And, uh, and it's not like Josh Pastner is, uh, you know, uh, setting uh, breaking ground in the coaching ring. So you're that, though. people don't realize this. I, I tweeted that annoying kid for Cleveland State who I'm rooting against in the tournament. Oh, my God. People forget the original bench mob kid was Josh Pastner. That's why I hate him. When Arizona made that run, Pastner, who never played, was on the sidelines doing dances. And I was so mad. I lost so much money. And it wasn't even that I didn't like Arizona. I hated him so much. I kept betting against him. And they went all the way to win the, the, the title. But he was the original bench mob kid. That's why I don't like him. 
I get and it. Betting against Cleveland State, regardless, just because oh, of I was at Oakland, and listen, Cleveland State dominated off the dribble. Oakland's interior defense was so soft in that yeah. game, but yeah, they kept like I, I get it. It's whatever. It's a it's a, a Horizon League tournament title game. They're gonna try to show stuff to try to get people interested in watching it when it's a double digit game. All right, let's go to the American Athletic Conference. So that's all the major conference tournament games that we hit on. Now it's time for the AAC, and about that Tom and I both have action on is Memphis and Houston. This line, I believe it's all the way down, still to six and a half. Back up to seven, got a little resistance on Houston when it went back to six and a half or went down to six and a half. The Cougs are seven-point favorites against the Memphis Tigers in the AAC tournament semifinal. Total of 134, and Memphis is plus 260 on the money line. For me, I have a tournament future uh, on Memphis to win the conference. So uh, pretty excited about that going into this game, and I also have a bet on the game. Uh, what are you betting in Houston and Memphis, Tom? Yeah, this is interesting. I know this doesn't mean anything, but the Memphis has only lost a game by more than seven points once all year, and it was on November 27th to VCU. So, you know, they play so well defensively, they're hard to blow out. The You know, the, the even the games they lose are by like two points, three points, one point. That defense keeps them in so many games, even when their offense isn't performing well. That's why I think seven's too much to lay here. Obviously, Houston's at another level. They're, I mean, they're an elite team, uh, especially offensively. But as we just saw, 67-64, the, that <laughs> amazing three-pointer at the buzzer for Houston to, to get the win. How about I the shot from Boogie Ellis to tie it? Yeah. I mean, what a game. And, hey, I think we're going to see another dogfight. Seven points is too much in this game. I think this is – I'm no bracketologist. I can't believe Memphis isn't securely in the tournament. You're telling me that's not one of the best 60-plus uh, teams in the country? I'm not buying that for a second. The you the eye test for me with Memphis, they can play with anybody on any night. And I think seven points too much here. I'm going to take that. And uh, you know me. You have a little bit on the money line too. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not going to bet any money line because I have the tournament future at plus 560 for Memphis to win the AAC. But from a rebounding standpoint, the one issue I have with Memphis, and I do think they cleaned up the glass a little better today. I'm sure Penny's going to have more of an emphasis on it. But Houston is such a good game rebounding team. 15 offensive rebounds in that game on Sunday. And it was still a one-possession game to wrap it up. So if Memphis can, can clean up the glass a little bit better on the defensive end, and it's tough because of the matchup. But if they can... They could win this game outright. And with those guards, with Boogie Ellis, Lester Quinones, I can't wait to see the guitar duos with uh, him and Houston because Quinones hits a couple threes. He gets the guitar going, and then Houston does it right back when Jerome had, I think, a three in that game. It, it's it's a This is one of the best rivalries, one of the, best under, one of the most underrated rivalries in college basketball. But Memphis should be able to keep this thing within two possessions. Plus seven is a very value, valuable bet to me if you can get it and have a very good shot to win this game outright. The key for that, though, is probably Landers Nolly, the Vatek transfer. He's got to go off, um, which he can. He can go off for 25. But if he if his, if his uh, perimeter jump shot is dropping, Memphis should be able to win this game outright. Yeah, this, I, I'm actually looking forward to watching this game more than any other one today. I think it's going to be a, you know, a really competitive game. And I mean, listen, Houston can blow anybody out. If you're not making your shots, and like you said, if you're not getting rebounds, they're going to beat you by 15-plus. Uh, they're that talented. But I, I do. But the other thing I like about this, too, is uh, Memphis just played them. So, you right. know, they're, they're not – I mean, they weren't afraid of them in that game. From a they, they, standpoint. Yeah, they, 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 they came right at them. Like you said, they were, they were playing the guitar. They, they were bringing it. 
So I like that confidence factor, too, that they just played them. They probably feel they should have won that game. So uh, there's going to be a dogfight. There's going to be back and forth. It's going to be a great game. I'll take seven all day here. So I mentioned the rivalry, and these two teams got a little into it last week. Going back to Michigan-Maryland yesterday with Juwan Howard and Mark Turgeon, what would you do if Mark Turgeon charged at you? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Me, uh, the... I probably put his head through a car window, but the about, it sounded like it sounded like you were like you were getting to the point where you're going to be like I would do anything, and then you say you're going to put his head through a car window. I was just remembering the last person who did that to me, whose head I put through a car window. So that, wow. but the so what happened? Give give me the backstory. Oh well, no. Well, as you know, uh, I have type one diabetes, so someone thought it would be a good idea to make fun of that. So in the high school parking lot, I put his head through two car windows. He needed reconstructive surgery. But here's the best part. This was back a long time ago. I got suspended for three days. <laughs> I mean, today they today you're in jail. They you know, you never go back to school. I got three days. I went home and played Tech Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what this show leads to is don't see Tom in a parking lot and don't mention diabetes. Also, probably don't mention um I don't even know what team. What what team has cost you money of late? Um. Oh, North Carolina. All right. Sure. Don't mention you. <laughs> the top detergent really charged him. I didn't really see it. He kind of so detergent basically said to him, uh, "Don't come near me or don't don't ever speak to me." I think is what he said. And then he charged at him. Yeah, that was that was interesting. And I mean, again, you're saying what would I do? But I'm a nobody. I mean, so if you're head, whooped his ass. Yeah, if you're a head coach, it reminded me of the time that a Cheney went after Calipari. Yeah. Remember and told him he was going to kill him. So the that was uh, that that was the probably the best coaching fight that that I've ever seen. I mean, Cheney had to be restrained by like five people. So <laughs> somebody they, asked in the chat. Eli, what would you do if, if Dave if Dave later the, the DePaul coach starts at you? I would I would either run or if, if Tom was by my side, I would let I would let Tom handle it. I, I would I would jump on it as I mean I'm not gonna fucking kick anybody's ass. So that's 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 pretty well known. I could speak. I could definitely uh, verbally attack somebody, but physically is another story. All right, before Tom decides their critique. Um, over to the other AAC uh, conference tournament title game. I will say, I have a keyboard warrior when it comes to Dave Lato because I've been talking a lot of shit <laughs> on Twitter about Dave Lato. Cannot back it up in person. Well, I will say this. If Jim Beheim charges me, I'll take him on anywhere, anytime. I will kick his 76-year-old ass up and down the street. <laughs> My question is, what if you were still at a press conference with him? Like, what would you, what if, what no, if he I, said to you, how tall are you? 5'9". Okay, so I thought you were 5'11". I'm pretty sure you said on this podcast you were 5'11". I've never been 5'11 in my life. Oh, okay. If I said that, that was a flat out lie. <laughs> Fair enough. What, so what if you were that reporter that, that he said like, oh, you're 5'9", or I know it's 5'2", but you're 5'9", you don't know anything about basketball. <laughs> You just got to eat it. Norv Turner yelled at me once, screamed at me, because I asked him about LT, uh, you know, tapping out in the AFC championship game when he had the the hurt knee that wasn't hurt. Are you were covering that game? I was covering that game, and no Chargers reporter asked about it. And, I was, and I'm a Patriots reporter. I couldn't believe it. So I asked him, and he must have known the question was coming. I couldn't even get it out. And he started yelling and screaming at me. I mean, you, you just, you got to take it. That's part of the, part of the job. You know, I also didn't complain that, you know, my feelings were hurt on Twitter and people like Eli didn't 
take up for me and like start a GoFundMe page because as I was, you know, suffering mental distress. So, but you know, I, I got over it. <laughs> sounds like it. <laughs> sounds like it. Uh, Cincinnati or Wichita State in the second leg of the American Athletic, actually the first matchup of the AAC semifinal. Wichita State, I'm still laughing about the uh, you putting someone's head through a fucking car window. You were so nonchalant about it. You were like, oh, you know, would do much. <laughs> I would fucking put his head through a car window. Cool. Psychopath over here. Uh, Wichita State is laying three and a half, total of 143. And the Bearcats are plus 140 on the money line. Yeah, I don't have a strong lean in this game. I'm obviously I, I like Wichita State a lot uh, in terms of team. The, they struggled a little bit yesterday. Uh, so, I, I think there's a little value here. Cincinnati played SMU, who's had COVID issues, and you know they looked rusty uh, yesterday to me. So uh, crazy uh, ending there to get, to get the over in that game, where the you know the officials have to go to the monitor again with two seconds left and all this nonsense. But I think there's a little value here with Wichita State, but I, I'm going to lay off this. I got I got too much invested in the other uh, AAC game. But it's also another tight win for Wichita State. I think they're overvalued at this point, even at three and a half. It's down for four and a half, so I'm not I'm not going to bet it. But I do think if I was to bet a side in this game, Cincinnati would be the side. Even though, like you said, SMU is coming off the COVID layoff. Maybe they're maybe they're getting a little too much credit in the market because of that. But four and a half would have been my buy point. Didn't get it in time. Three and a half, I'm going to stay away. But I would lean the Bearcats. Yeah, I'm probably – Cincinnati is just a team I've been down on all year. I mean, they looked good yesterday. But this is a stay-away game for me. I don't have any interest in betting it. Okay, Mountain West Conference title game, San Diego State and Utah State. Great games in both, even though they were you know two-possession, three-possession games for Utah State, won, won the game by around double digits. San Diego State up to a two-point favorite. They were opened at one, uh, a one-point favorite, total of 128, and the Aggies are plus one, 108 on the money line. Even though Utah State, even though that game didn't result in any sort of seeding difference for these two teams last year when Sam Merrill hit that sixth shot for Utah State to win in the Mountain West tournament title, I still think there's a little bit of a, a revenge factor going into this game. And San Diego State has a pretty physical front court where they could slow down Kata if they keep Utah State in the half court uh, as opposed to being able to run up and down the floor in transition. Yeah, this is interesting because uh, they've lost three in a row now to Utah State. Utah State. But Matt Mitchell didn't play in the second game. No, I know. I'm just saying, if, if you look at the the games, though, Utah State's really kind of held them down, 45 and 59 points the this year. I mean, San Diego State's only lost four games this year, and two of them were to, to Utah State. But I do agree. I I like even though they dropped those games, uh, those those were two games where they just weren't hitting offensively. I like the matchup overall here. I like San Diego State tonight. I think they win this game. It'll be one of those, you know, kind of sluggish, close games, but you're not laying too many points here. I think the Aztecs get it done. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And Matt Mitchell, again, I mentioned that in the second game. He was out, got hurt in the latter part of the Utah State-San Diego State game. Uh, I think they played two out of three nights. That game was probably out of hand at that point. Uh, San Diego State offense was awful in the half court. So if Utah State keeps them more in the half court, this is also a very good Utah State team. And, Tom, you mentioned how, like, full-body work in the conference. What conference did, we, did you mention? Oh, the Pac-12, where you were like, okay, if Colorado wins this game or whatever conference it was, you have to take not only the team into the context, but also the, the conference into the context. 
Mountain West is pretty good this year. Our mm-hmm. Boise State Broncos will not be making it to the tournament, unfortunately. But I would love to see Utah State matched up in a, a 10-7 matchup because Namus Kata can create a lot of problems with the way he scores inside. If, again, you play, you, Utah State can get up and down a transition and get into the rim. Yeah, and I'll be disappointed if Colorado State doesn't get in. That I feel they. I don't think they will. Really? After after losing the Nevada game, and after losing the, that was the regular regular season finale, and after losing uh, this past night to Utah State, I think that was a win and in. Uh, they'll they'll be sweating. That's for sure. Yeah, that, no, no doubt they'll be one of the. I, I I do think the conference is good enough to get three teams, especially this year. Um, but the, I, I tell you what, in terms of my future next year for the youngest team in the country, Colorado State. I wouldn't mind if they didn't get in. Talk about some motivation going into next season. But this could be – we'll see what happens with Illinois, and we'll see if Memphis gets blown out. This could be a Casale uh, late-night bailout on the Aztecs uh, (laughs) if things don't go my way. But uh, either way, I might have a little money on uh, San Diego State. I kind of like this spot for them. All right, let's do our quick hitters. Now we're going to run a little bit into overtime as Michigan and Ohio State's about to tip off, but hopefully you could stick along with us on BetQLU, presented by BetQL. Download the BetQL app today. We'll be bringing along our first-ever sponsor onto the show tomorrow for tomorrow's edition of BetQLU. So really looking forward to that for the beginning of March Madness. Also a little announcement about our March Madness Bracket Challenge that you can participate in. So a lot going on on BetQLU as we anticipate the big dance. Um, conference tournaments, smaller conference tournaments that you like, Tom, as some bets for today. For me, Ohio against Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo coming off the overtime win against Akron. think you might see some tired legs a little bit. For Ohio, they should be able to get to the rim against a Buffalo team that's given up one of the highest two-point scoring rates in the MAC. Uh, Jason Preston is playing at such a high level, man. I, you bet him against Illinois at the beginning of non-conference play. I want to see Jason Preston in the dance because that guy could be a lot of fun to watch. And Ohio's Ohio's offense is also clicking on all cylinders when they're getting to the basket in transition. So give me the give me Ohio uh, getting the two and a half today. I think there's some value keeping that thing within two points or winning the game outright. Yeah, they just got blasted by Buffalo at the end of the season. But Ohio was my pick to win the MAC. That to me is the most dangerous MAC team if they get in. I, yeah. I think they match up well with some of these bigger schools. So I hope they win this game. You know, listen, hey, Abilene Christian, I've been on them all year, you know, seven points today. Here's the thing about Nichols State. They're vastly overseeded. They had a weird conference schedule. They didn't play Christian and they didn't play uh, Stephen F. Austin. They played the other good team in that conference twice, Sam Houston, and lost both games. So even though you look at them as a high seed and a good record, they had a, a, a very easy conference schedule. Abilene Christian has all their players back. They're healthy. Uh, it's going to be a long, could be a long, long night uh, for for Nickel State. Uh, but we got them, baby. We're in. We're in the final tomorrow. Tomorrow, set them up. Tomorrow. Set them up for the Patriot League tournament uh, title game. Ten points. I mean, come on, ten points. So one of my worst bets of the season. I had Bucknell against uh, Colgate, for, and I had the over, which was which got they got in the, the first ten minutes. By the but way, both, really quick on that on the Colgate Bucknell game. That was the first single game opponent that Colgate had played all year. They had played right. in, in the Patriot League, obviously. I mean, never conference. They only played three teams all year. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's insane. So, yeah. So, you know, listen, I knew both teams, they'll both those teams play lightning fast. 
But Bucknell can't go like over nine in their first nine three point shots against Colgate. You're going to get blown out. So that's what happened there. It's going to be a different game. Loyola's going to pound the ball down low. They're going to play at a slower pace. You know, I listen. I, I just think Colgate's still a little overvalued. I know they just scored 105 points on me, but 10 points with the you know. Listen, yeah. remember Loyola projected number three in the in the Patriot League preseason. They lost all those, I mean, uh, an amazing amount of close games early in the year. So this is a good team despite their record. Give me the 10 points in the Patriot League. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. If you think about Colgate trying to get to the rim and trying to shoot from three, that's where Colgate relies on their, their three-point shooting. Uh, number one three-point percentage in the Patriot League. Also scoring it at the fifth highest uh, scoring rate in the Patriot League. And uh, Loyola Maryland's perimeter defense is susceptible. Uh, two threes, and I mean, just giving up threes in transition, especially when they're not controlling yeah, the tempo. Right. But Colgate giving up the third highest two-point scoring rate, and for Loyola Maryland to win this game outright, which I think they'll actually have a shot to do, Santi Aldama's going to have to have a big game, and he could do that. Went for 33 in, in Loyola Maryland's last game. That's a big to watch out for if Loyola Maryland gets in. Yeah. But, I mean, they'll get like a 16 seed, but I don't know. With 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 the way with the way this tournament's going to be played, I, I might take a look at Loyola Maryland at the points depending on the matchup in the the first round of the NCAA's if they win tomorrow. Other, and to go the other way, to me, Colgate is going to be vastly overvalued. Yep. I mean, God, don't give me Colgate in Iowa. I'm begging you, don't do that to me because I'll have so much money on Iowa. It's the house is going to be on the line. I mean, they will run them off the court. So I think either way, there could be uh, chances to bet or fade one of these teams in the tournament. If you lost that Iowa Colgate bet, whose head would you put through a car window? Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, Fran used to coach here in Siena. That's right up the road. I don't know if he still has a summer home, but if he does, I'll find him. <laughs> My God, I hate watching the McCaffreys, and I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate Iowa as much as I used to because they're playing better defense, and I'm starting to respect them. And I think the market is too. Gars, I mean, just that whole Iowa team, Garza arguing for a hook and hold in the first half, and there was nothing there. McCaffrey doing the same thing. I hate the way Patrick McCaffrey looks. <laughs> it's it's just a gross-looking family, man. I, I hate it, well, but I also don't dislike Iowa. It's not like I'm betting against Iowa. I, I lean towards Iowa let's today. Just, let's so hope uh, Iowa doesn't play Cleveland State then. That's going to be a tough watch for us. <laughs> oh, man. Watching that fucking bench mob get trucked <laughs> by Patrick McCaffrey in the second half when I was up by 26. Yeah, you don't have to watch Sunday show. Whoever, when you see the seating, whoever plays Cleveland State, that's a bet for me. Just on, just on spite, pure spite. We'll, we'll spend, we'll spend an hour on how we're fading Cleveland State in the tournament. People, people will be like, who are your final four picks? Uh, we had, sorry, we had a lot to talk about with the Horizon League tournament champion. All right, last game to hit on tomorrow for a matchup that's set: VCU and St. Bonaventure. Believe VCU is a two-point favorite, two-point dog. Bonnies are favored by two, total of one twenty-eight, and the Rams are plus one twelve on the money line. Yeah, absolutely no opinion. Uh, to me, this is a dead-even game. I've seen them play. Doesn't that mean you take the points? The well, it's two, right? Yeah, but still two points. I, I do, I, if you said who, gun to your head, I would say St. Bonaventure. Okay. Um, the because I've seen these two teams play a couple of times. Uh, I do like VCU when they have rest, though, because they have that they get that you know they play with such energy. All pressure looks good. Yep. And but uh, you know this is this is gonna be a tight game. Uh, it's gonna be a close game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's low scoring, but I don't really have a huge huge take on it. Couple things to watch for, not just from a matchup standpoint, but from an injury standpoint. Vince Williams back 
was spasming up for I think he almost missed their opening game in the when they when they smacked around Duquesne. And then he went out late in the second half of that Davidson game. So that's a nagging injury for him. You would assume it with the week off that he's going to be healthy more than a week off, but still something something to watch for, especially if the back flares up again for Williams. But man, a Highland, uh, this VCU team when they get out in transition and they they do want to shoot their fair share of threes. Like if you look at point distribution, um, they get to the free throw line a lot. And the one issue I have with VCU though, from a from a matchup standpoint is they turn the ball over a lot. The highest turnover percentage in yeah. the A-10. And the Bonnies can turn you over. Fourth highest opponent's turnover rate in conference. So as much as we think about these guards for St. Bonaventure led by Lofton that could really score a very, very experienced St. Bonaventure team, that's probably the biggest matchup to watch for is whether VCU can hold on to the ball because that wasn't going to come into play against Davidson in the no. uh, Davidson in the semifinal. It will tomorrow with the Bonnies. So I do lean St. Bonaventure too. Yeah, and that's a good point because a lot of the teams in the Atlantic 10 don't turn you over a lot. You know, Richmond and St. Louis and Davidson, they're they're not they don't cause a ton of turnover. So VCU does, but St. Well, VCU does. But I'm saying when VCU goes to the if they go to the tournament, you'll hear a lot about them causing turnovers. Well, let's see who they play because if they get in one of those wild games and the other team has more talent and they're causing turnovers too, they get yeah. blown out of the gym. So you know that's just something to keep an eye out if they do make the tournament. It's a good point. All right, so we broke it all down. Uh, Tom, what are your bets on today's college basketball card? My official bets are Illinois minus, you know, up to four, I would say, and uh, Memphis plus seven. Those are my two uh, favorite bets of the day. And, uh, the, you know, like I said, we'll see how those go. Uh, the Casali bailout could be San Diego State. And then I have uh, Loyola uh, plus 10 tomorrow, 2-0 and in hat games. We're going for uh, for 3-0 and heading into the tournament. All right, I am on Memphis as well. Give me the plus seven. It's actually up to seven and a half at Canby, so you could get a pretty good price there. I am taking Ohio U against Buffalo at plus two and a half. That line is still readily available. And Texas, a little market movement there. It's up to three. I would wait on Texas, Oklahoma State. If you want to go in at three, okay, I don't recommend it, uh, considering the line's already moved to point and a half. But this line isn't going to get to three and a half to me. So if you can get a Texas minus two and a half, that's probably my my uh, my the, the highest point I would buy the Longhorns at today. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, and I like that play too when we have our future going. So you know, don't mess with Texas. Go Horns, hook them. All right, that's going to do it for the final edition, the only edition of the conference tournament. Pre- I guess we did one earlier in the week. The second edition, the second edition, and the final edition of the BetQLU conference tournament betting breakdown. That's Tom Casali at the Tom Casali on Twitter. I'm Eli Herskovich. That QLUTs. I don't have one. I don't know. I'm hitting my my button down here. <laughs> I haven't been able to send one to Eli yet. Well, uh, that's a lie. That's a lie. He's, he's delaying. Four in the afternoon. <laughs> so we're gonna a couple things, and we appreciate everybody that's sticking around here. We're our schedule for the good job, Gub. Okay, fourteen our new. He does support the show. Don't really know what that means, but we appreciate it. Maybe maybe that's his name. Gub, uh, we appreciate that. Yeah, Gub. Gub follows us on Twitter. Got a man of the people. E- Eli, he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't. Um, tomorrow, Selection Sunday show, we will be live on Twitter at 11 p.m. Eastern, yep. breaking down the bracket with our guy, Reed Wallach, as well, from BeckQLU and BeckQL. Uh, then we're going to do a Wednesday edition of the 8 p.m. What, 8 p.m. Eastern, I think? Something like that, 8 p.m. Eastern. On yeah, 8 p.m. Wednesday. on Wednesday night, uh, and that's when we'll have our official bets, and you know, for the first round. So we'll, that that's 
Tomorrow, Sunday, we'll have our initial uh, selection Sunday reaction. Right. Where I I will be overreacting to like nine or ten games. Then I got to calm down a little bit. Then we'll come back on Wednesday and we'll give you our official bets. All right. And then Sunday, we'll do a preview of the round of 32 live on Twitter at 9 a.m. Eastern. It's going to be a long fucking week. Long fucking month. For what Tom I started Ryan. off with. You think we look bad now? Wait until next Sunday. <laughs> My God. All right. Thank you for everybody that's watched and listened. Of course, to BetQLU with myself, Ida Herskovich, and the Tom Casali, presented by BetQL. Download the BetQL app in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It helps you beat the sports books.